SQPN presents The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. The battle for Middle-earth is about to begin. Where do you travel to find Middle-earth? How can you fight the shadows of Angmar? Created the dwarves. I thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. Why are elves immortal? You will linger on in darkness and in doubt. As nightfall in winter that comes without a star. What is the ultimate evil of Sauron? Join me on a quest for answers through the books, the movies, and the games that tell us the legendary adventures of hobbits, dwarves, men, and elves in Tolkien's Middle-earth. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. I am your host, Father Roderick. And welcome to Middle-earth. It's another beautiful day here in Middle-earth. And I'm looking towards the west. In the distance I can see the green hills of the Shire... It's a blue sky, some white clouds in the sky, and I'm actually standing at the banks of the Brandywine River, and in front of me is the Brandywine Bridge that connects Breeland. You know, if I look back, I can see the road that stretches all the way to the city of Bree, and when I turn around and cross the bridge, I can enter the Shire, and I can already see some of the houses where the hobbits live. Today I want to take you to a new region here in Middle-earth that has not yet been discovered by us. In order to get there, we first have to go to the Shire, and from there we have to travel to the northwest. About a hundred miles north of the Shire, in northern Eriador, there is a big lake. The lake is called Lake Evendim. Lake Evendim is one of the bigger lakes in this region, and the elves call it Nenuyal which is Sindarin for Lake of Twilight. Now it's said to be a beautiful place, but also very dangerous. However, fear not. I've got my shield and I've got my sword, so we'll be able to defend ourselves if necessary. So if you're ready, let's cross the Brandywine Bridge and travel to the northwest. standing on the bridge itself. It's a pretty sturdy bridge. It must be huge for hobbits. But for us humans, it's uh, just a regular bridge. And I'm now walking to the right side of the bridge, and I can see that the Brandywine River, which has this kind of brown, muddy water, goes all the way north and then bends to the left, more to the northwest. And if you would follow this river, you would arrive at the Lake of Evendim because this river actually starts at the lake 100 miles northwest. However, we're not going to follow the uh, banks of the Brandywine River. It's said that it's actually a very dangerous way to get to Lake Evendim because there are a lot of creatures lurking around that are uh, extremely hostile. Instead, we will travel first to the west, we'll go inside the Shire, and then we will head north. In that way, we can stay a bit longer within the boundaries of the Shire itself and we'll be safe. So let's go! Mm-hmm. 
there's always music when uh, hobbits are around. <laughs> and many of them are walking around here. Here's even a, what looks like a town square. Let me enter that. Oh, lots of hobbits here. <laughs> I think there's a big party going on here. <laughs> Here's a, a hobbit underneath what looks like an apple tree to me, and he's completely drunk. In the distance, some other hobbits are dancing, and a few of them are talking or eating at a table. But unfortunately, we don't have time to hang out with the hobbits. We still have a very long journey ahead to get to Lake Evendim. like a, a marketplace here on my right hand side you can hire a horse and uh, the road just continues to go up and down there are some fields on my left some green hills on my right and it's still beautiful weather blue sky white clouds fantastic weather to visit the Shire a very happy place. Much different from uh, some other places in Middle-earth where it can become very gloomy and dangerous and ominous. We're now entering Green Hill Country and on my left I can see some farms and on the right I can see what looks like a bridge. Well, it's actually not much of a bridge. The road just ends in the water. I think this is just a place where the river is not very deep, so you can just cross it and wade through the water. And we are now entering Budgefort. Some more hobbit houses here. Some pigs <laughs> walking around. And here's a signpost. Let's see what it says. And if we're still going in the right direction. It says here that if we continue to the north, we'll enter a region called Scary. Hmm. It doesn't sound too, uh, too good to me. I can see that the, the landscape is changing. We are approaching a more mountainous area. And here is another small hobbit village with th at least three windmills that I can see. Now when I look to the north, in the distance I can see a huge mountain range. It's almost dark grey against the blue sky. This is actually the mountain range that separates the Shire from Lake Evendim. And on the other side of the mountains is the lake itself. We're now crossing Oat Barton, which is another hobbit village. Now a lot of the hobbits in this village seem to be involved in some form of agricultural activity. There are a lot of farms here, some windmills, and I can see a lot of hobbits just working in the fields. They're probably growing pipeweed or some other weed. But we're leaving the village behind us and we are continuing north. The road is actually climbing and I can see that the vegetation is also changing. Since we are approaching the mountains, uh, you don't have that many trees here and the landscape slowly but steadily starts to become more barren. Here on my right hand side are some huge rock formations overgrown with moss. 
And in the distance, I can see some gigantic spiders and oh, a wolf. A wolf is attacking me. Well, I'm glad I had my sword to defend us. Now we're standing on top of a hill and let me describe the landscape here. On the left, the mountains get really high and barren. In front of me, I can still see a mountain range. And on the right-hand side, a little bit to the northeast, there is actually something that looks like a gray, silvery beach. And you can also see that the Brandywine River over there in the distance is much wider than it was when we crossed the, the Brandywine Bridge. So we are not far from Lake Evendim. Let's continue our journey. Now the road is barely visible anymore because it's, uh, it's almost completely covered up by this gray sand. On my right hand side is the Brandywine River. This is a very barren place. Nothing is growing here, probably because of the, the sand. Lots of stinging sand flies swarming around my head. And on both sides of the road, there are some nasty creatures. Some huge orange salamanders on the right. I'm not gonna get any closer to those. It's getting late in the afternoon, so I hope that we will still be able to reach Lake Evendim by daylight. The road is turning a bit to the, the west here. Some people are lucky they've got horses. I've got to run all the way to Lake Evendim. Now while we are running to the north, let me tell you something about this region around Lake Evendim. The lake itself is approximately 50 miles from north to south and 20 miles from east to west. It's bounded on the west by the Emin Uyal, the hills of Evendim. And if you would travel even more to the west, you would arrive at the Blue Mountains. Now the mountains that we saw in the distance are actually part of another ridge of hills on the south of Lake Evendim. And beyond those mountains, on the southern shore of Lake Evendim, there should be a huge city, or at least what remains of the city, and that city is called Anuminas, and it was the first capital of Arnor. Now the Brandywine River, or as the elves call it, the Baranduin, flows out of the lake to the east, but that's not the only river that starts at Lake Evendim. More to the west, there is also the River Loon, and that river also has a tributary beginning in the hills of Evendim. If you would follow that river all the way to the south, you would arrive at the Grey Havens, which we've seen at the end of the third movie of The Lord of the Rings. Now the road takes a sharp turn to the left here. Let me just climb on this hill to take a look at the distance. Wow! Oh, this is unbelievable! Right there in front of me, it's uh, to the west of where I'm standing. In the distance below, there is a huge stone structure. It looks like a bridge or something, or perhaps part of a castle. And in front of that is a gigantic statue of something that looks like a king. It's someone with a beard, and in his right hand, there is a sword. 
looks like a broken sword, and in his left hand, this king carries a, a scepter. And around his neck is what looks like a, a star-shaped ornament. Now, this is clearly a very ancient statue. You know, now that I think of it, this statue might actually be the statue of the first king that lived in this region. The king who actually built this city of Anuminas. Perhaps I'm actually looking at the statue of the High King Elendil, the first king of the North Kingdom of Arnor. Let's try to get closer. Here we are at the foot of this gigantic statue. It's towering above me. What an incredible display of craftsmanship and architectural knowledge to build such a huge monument almost. Now this big statue and the stone structure behind it is actually built right on top of the Brandywine River. And the river itself flows underneath it towards the lake, or actually I should say it flows from the lake underneath the statue towards uh, the Shire. Very impressive. The sky is slowly turning purple. Evening is falling. So we're actually reaching the Twilight Lake, because that's what the name in the Elven language means at the hour of twilight. Now I jumped into the water of the river because I could see that in the distance there were some very dangerous guards standing there. So rather than confronting them, I prefer to swim through the river to the other side to enter the lake. The water is extremely clear. I can see all the way to the bottom. Right, there we are. Safe and sound. And we're now standing on a tiny island all the way on the eastern side of the lake. And I'm looking at the lake in front of me and it is breathtakingly beautiful. What a sight. You can see the dark gray, bluish mountains in the distance. The mountains of uh, Evendim. And this huge lake stretches out all the way in the distance. But when I look to the south, the view is even more stunning. I can see the fantastic skyline of this huge city of Anuminas that was built by King Elendil thousands and thousands of years ago. And the sun is slowly setting at the horizon and the light is refracted on the waves of the lake and it looks like there are thousands and thousands of diamonds just floating in the water. It's beautiful. I can understand why the elves love this lake so much. Now, while we are overlooking this beautiful lake of Evendim, let me tell you a bit about the history of Middle-earth. As you might know, the history of Middle-earth is divided into several ages. 
The Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings stories, take place in the Third Age, just on the brink of the Fourth Age. However, the history of the shores of Evendim, where we are currently, is much, much older. The earliest stories tell us about the creation of Middle-earth by Eru, the One, also called Iluvatar, the Father of All. Now, Iluvatar created not only Middle-earth, but he also created the Valar, angelic beings, and one of them, Melkor, turned to evil and became what the elves called the Dark Enemy or Morgoth. The first age is detailed in the Cimmerillion and tells the stories of the battle against the evil Morgoth. Now Morgoth spread terror in Middle-earth and especially the elves were the victim of his evil. Morgoth enslaved them and even breeded orcs and trolls from the captured elves. By the way, Morgoth had a lieutenant who was equally evil and his name was Sauron. Now the elves and groups of men, the Edain, fight together against the evil Morgoth. And by the end of the First Age, many, many centuries later, thanks to their common fight, Morgoth is finally defeated. And in that period, large regions of the world were flooded and disappeared in the sea. Now even though Morgoth was defeated, the spirit of Sauron is not gone and gets away. And much later, he will carry on the evil legacy of his former master, Morgoth. Now let's try to get to the uh, southern shore of Lake Evendim, and I'll tell you a bit more about the history of that part of this beautiful region. We've managed to avoid most of the evil creatures and brigands that roam these ruins here. And the sun is setting quickly now. We've been able to get much closer to uh, the city of Anuminas. And I want to tell you something about the origin of this city. How did it get built? When this dramatic battle was ended, between the men and the elves on the one hand, and the evil Morgoth and his lieutenants and armies on the other hand, the, um, the men that fought with the elves against Morgoth started to settle here in the hills of Evendim. In the Second Age, a new group of men also settled in the same region. Now, these men came from Numenor, which was a beautiful star-shaped island to the west of Middle-earth. However, this island sank beneath the sea after a terrible catastrophe that affected the whole world. So these refugees from Numenor also settled near the lake of Evendim. And the hills of Evendim formed the core of what would later become the kingdom of Arnor. Now over time, these two groups merged, the men of Evendim and the Dunedain. And they were joined by men living originally in the region of Bree. And together, they built this beautiful city of Anuminas, the first capital of Arnor on the western shores of Lake Evendim. And even though this city is now in ruins, you can still sense its former grandeur. If you look at the beautiful spines of the towers, almost a mix between the architecture of man and the more elvish influences, it is 
a beautiful sight, so it must have been magnificent when it was first built. So when the North Kingdom of Arnor was established, the High King Elendil had his seat right here in this city of Anuminas. And this city remained the chief city of the kings of Arnor for several centuries, and it was home to a very special artifact. In this city was one of the three Palantiri of the North Kingdom. Now a Palantir is a round crystal seeing stone. And when you look in it, you can communicate with other stones and anyone who might be looking into them. And people of great power can manipulate these stones to see virtually any part of the world. We've seen those crystal globes in uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. By the way, another one of those palantiri was kept in the watchtower of Amon Sul, the mountain that we now know as Weathertop. The sun has now almost completely disappeared. There is only a, a purple glow at the horizon, but it's getting dark very quickly. When I look above, I can see the starry sky. And this lake looked very beautiful at daylight, but uh, it's getting a bit scary here now. Now, according to some legends, also elves may have dwelt in this area. In the early part of the Second Age, the elf Celeborn and his wife Galadriel, and we know both of them from the Lord of the Rings movies, may have dwelt in this same area around Lake Evendim, with many elves in their following before they moved to the Eregion, the region south of Rivendell and west of the Misty Mountains. Now the Lake of Evendim and the city of Anuminas formed one of the most beautiful regions of Middle-earth for a long time. The city survived for nearly a thousand years, and in the early days of Arnor, it was one of the glories of Middle-earth. However, soon after it was founded, the population began to dwindle. And the population of Anuminas seemed to have fallen throughout its history until it became deserted. And when the kingdom of Arnor was divided in 861, the kings removed to Fornost, to the east, and they abandoned the city. Now at the time of the War of the Ring, at the end of the Third Age, Anuminas had laid in ruins for more than 2,000 years, and it seemed that a dark night had fallen over this once beautiful city at the foot of this lake. Now since darkness has fallen, it would be irresponsible to continue our journey. So I'll just sit down here and wait for the morning. And after a long, long night, finally it's morning again. The sky starts to turn pink. The birds are greeting the light of the sun. 
And that is also the destiny for this once glorious city. After describing the twilight, the dark night of this region, Tolkien hints at a new dawn. Remember Aragorn? He was crowned a king at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But what you might not know is that Aragorn is in fact the great, 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 great grandson of King Elendil, the first king of Arnor, the one who built this city of Anumanas. After the victory over Sauron and the destruction of the One Ring, Aragorn married the elf Arwen, who gave up her immortality for him. And she and Aragorn lived happily together for 120 years. They had a son, Eldarion, and some daughters. Now according to the stories, in the year 15 of the Fourth Age, the king and the queen traveled to the North Kingdom, to this region and Aragorn assumed full kingship of Arnor. And Tolkien tells us that he dwelled here for a time at Lake Evendim. Tolkien hints that Aragorn, now called King Elisar, went back to this city, the city of his ancestor Elendil, and refounded the city of Anumanas. He may even have made this his northern capital early in the Fourth Age. And since the Lake of Evendim and the city of Anumanas is located so close to the Shire, Aragorn and Arwen stayed in contact with the friendly hobbits. At one point they even went back to the Brandywine Bridge, where we were earlier, to meet with Sam Gamgee, Mary Brandybuck and Pippin Took. And Arwen made Sam's daughter, Eleanor, her maid of honor. So the ruins of Anumanas and the shores of Lake Evendim, once beautiful, but now taken over by many dangerous creatures, will rise again and shine in restored glory. And with that, the history of this region almost becomes a symbol of the hope of resurrection and new life, and the end of evil in our own world. I think that that's one of the ways in which Tolkien's Catholic background becomes apparent in the stories of Middle-earth. Just like the people of Middle-earth, we too were created for beauty and happiness. But both Middle-earth and our own world suffer under the forces of evil and corruption. However, there is always hope that darkness and death will not win in the end. Aragorn, this unknown traveler of hidden royal descent, led the fight against the evil of Sauron and restored the beauty of the shores of Evendim. And the elves call him Estel, which means hope. Under his reign, Lake Twilight becomes the lake of a new dawn. In our own world, the Catholic writer Tolkien believed in a similar victory over evil and death by another king, who started just like Aragorn, as a traveler. His royal heritage, hidden from view, but a king nonetheless who would conquer death and would give us the promise of a future without darkness where everything will share in his everlasting glory. And with that, I think it's time to leave the shores of Evendim and turn back to the Shire. And what about very old friends? And it's 
it's time for some email. Colin writes, Hi, Father Roderick. I just thought I'd drop you a line to say well done on your podcast, The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings. I've been playing the game since the European Open Beta, and I was hooked straight away. So I began looking for podcasts about uh, Lord of the Rings Online, and I stumbled across one made by a Catholic priest. And I was initially rather skeptical. In fact, my religious upbringing as a child was by what you might call the other side. The Anglican Church, I mean, not devil worshippers. I wasn't sure if I was going to be downloading a podcast telling me to convert to the Catholic Church or just some online rant warnings against believing in wizards and orcs that was predicting hellfire and brimstone. Instead, your show has been none of these things. It has been friendly, informative and thoroughly entertaining. I've been a massive follower of Tolkien ever since I read The Hobbit as a teenager, and I only started reading that so I could play a computer game of the same name. And when I heard there was an MMO of The Lord of the Rings coming out, I was rather apprehensive. But as you have said in your previous podcast, the world the game makers have created is absolutely stunning. In fact, I upgraded my PC just so I could play the game on the highest graphics settings, and it's certainly worth doing so, believe me. I hope you'll do many more of these podcasts and I will be looking forward to hearing them. Who knows, if they ever get around to putting Mordor and Mount Doom in the game, maybe then you could legitimately do an episode all about Hellfire and Brimstone. <laughs> well, thanks for the feedback, Colin. I appreciate it. Martin writes, Dear Father Roderick, I don't know why, but I have been listening to episode 3 of The Secrets of the Lord of the Rings about 10 times now. I just love it. The explanations, the background knowledge I gained, the music, and especially the whole atmosphere you transmit only by using audio. One small story about the atmosphere. I recommended the podcast to my father, who also is a big Lord of the Rings fan. Now, after listening to episode two, we talked about the show, and he told me, isn't it wonderful that this priest just travels the whole world to visit all these Lord of the Rings locations? And after some questions from my side, it turned out that he thought that you had traveled all the way to New Zealand to visit the places where the movie had been shot and were standing in Bilbo's hobbit hole describing all the features. I think he didn't listen to episode one where you explained that you were actually within a game, but it was certainly funny. So once again, it's a wonderful show. Keep it up. Well, Martin, I think it's one of the things I like most about doing this podcast. It's being able to actually step with you inside this world of Middle-earth and just recreate the atmosphere within the game, within this world. I think it, it actually really adds a lot to just what otherwise could be dry information about uh, this, this wonderful world that Tolkien created. Kieran writes, Dear Father Roderick, I found your podcast on iTunes and I fell in love with it. I am a Christian, not a Catholic, but I still find your podcast very interesting. I'm 12 and probably your youngest listener. And your Shadows of Angmar audio walkthroughs are quite interesting. Your dedicated listener, Kieran. Now, I really appreciate all the feedback that you've sent me via email. And I'm glad you like the show. And please continue to send me your thoughts. You can email me at lordoftherings at sqpn.com or you can use the abbreviated version of that email address, which is lotr at sqpn.com. You can help me to promote this podcast by getting the word out. Tell your friends about it, post about it on your blog if you have one, or email your friends the URL to the, uh, to the show notes at sqpn.com. And if you've got some time, you can vote for this site on the various voting sites or you can dig it at dig.com and you can also dig the individual episodes. 
If you like this podcast, you might want to check out my other podcasts, like my morning show The Daily Breakfast or my podcasts about the Pirates of the Caribbean and Star Wars. You can find them all at the website www.sqpn.com. And that wraps it up for this show. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And see you next time. I'm Father Roderick. Bye-bye. And God bless. I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. I bid you all a very fond farewell. Bye-bye. SQPN. The best in Catholic podcasting.